Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, uh, recorded once again uh, in scattered locations across the metropolitan <laughs> New York City area. I'm Calvin Reed, a contributing editor at Publishers Weekly. So check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on what's left of Twitter. Every day it becomes less <laughs> and less useful and more and more horrible. But you should you be on there, we're at, at PW Comics World. There you go. I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and truly Spotify. Yes, go check us out. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Uh, and if you want to find us on Spotify, don't search for More to Come. Search for PW Comics World, because that uh, is one of the reasons why I couldn't find it when I looked. It is listed under PW Comics World, but you will find it there on Spotify. So go ahead. Yes. And uh, subscribe. And then also, if you're at it uh, while you're at it, leave us a comment. Let us know what you like about the podcast. And if you don't like it, just keep it to yourself. But uh, seriously, <laughs> give us a rating or let us know for real. Let us know what you no, like. We want to know. <laughs> yeah, because we love to hear from our listeners. All right. All right. This week on more to come, a quick New York Comic-Con update. And I'm going to give you a, a, a report on cartoon Crossroads columbus yes that great independent comics fair in columbus ohio uh then we've got news from toy fair uh news about uh Shueza's manga plus uh we've got <laughs> news from comics pro uh we're going to talk a little bit about the national book award shortlist uh uh kiera valdez a pw star watch finalist and remembering the great the hilarious the much, uh, much loved Al Jaffe. So, Heidi, a quick update on. All right. And we want to stress it's just a quick update. We're not going to give an <laughs> endless, endless talk about the bathrooms. Okay. We're not. <laughs> well, anyway, that's not until we joke. actually go through it. Not that might be information go. that you not could use. Though. Actually go. <laughs> News you can use. Well, I was at the Javits Center for Toy Fair just a couple of days ago. So, um, you know, there is that. But uh, anyway, yes, yeah, so as, as you listen to this, it'll be Monday. To, uh, New York Comic Con will be about to kick off. So we'll be in turbo mode. Um, so just a couple of little updates of things. Uh, you, you know, the exhibitor map came out and uh, we talked a lot about how there weren't going to be that many comics publishers there. And boy, when you see this, there is just really uh, it, as it was last year, it is going to be Dragon Ball. It is going to be. Toei Animation, they have two new balloons. Remember last year they had the giant Luffy balloon that yes. just mm -hmm. dominated? Well, this year they have a new Luffy balloon, although I believe it's a more uh, younger kind of chibi version of Luffy, and a giant Goku ah. uh, balloon. So we're going to be, manga is going to be looming over it. Uh, everything, the only publisher that's actually listed on this map with a name, which I believe you have to pay for, so that's not that uh, uh, surprising, is Marvel and Viz. And uh, Dark Horse is listed as the uh, sponsor of Artist Alley, so that's cool. 
and uh, that's about it. Uh, yeah. There's some Isn't other small. IDW is supposed to be in Artist Alley in some kind. They of... are going to be in Artist Alley, yeah, but they're not on the on the map. Yeah. So, yeah, um, well, in so many ways. Just, yeah, just <laughs> in so many ways. But um, I mean, yes. So, so if you go now, uh, you know, the programming definitely everybody's going to be represented with programming. DC did announce they have some panels, and uh, IDW Vault. Um, there's going to be lots of. Um, um, you know, for a second is there, Simon the Schuster is there, Abrams Books is there, uh, PRH is there, Inklore, I will say Inklore yeah. is going to be there in a big way, okay? Cool, all right. Um, but yes, as far as exhibiting goes, do not be looking for a lot of booths of, um, you know, your top five publishers, because the only one who's going to be there is Marvel. So, um, and then one other note, uh, the Harvey Awards are being held on the Friday night of the show. And uh, they did announce the the inductees into the Hall of Fame, and they are Marv Wolfman and George Perez, um, Chris Claremont, Walt mm-hmm. Simonson, Louise Simonson, uh, and also um, Bill Griffith of Zippy the Pinhead fame. So, cool. I mean, obviously, Marv and George, Walt and Wheezy, Chris Claremont, this is the Bronze Age of Comics in cool. one fell swoop. So nice job there, Harvey. Yes, absolutely. Great. Uh, so so how about you guys? Do you guys have any any nothing on your docket for New York Comic Con? Well, I'm going to well, see if I can't get into ICB2 because that's usually a hot ticket and you usually hear things there that you don't get other places. Yeah. Mm. And, and, uh, and, and it's, they it's, did. Just email them. They'll, they, they, you'll get in. Yeah, you'll get in. They um, did announce uh, the schedule for that, and it looks quite promising. Yes, it does. Um, Absolutely. Well, obviously, uh, uh, Milton is going to be giving his white paper, which obviously we're all breathless for that Uh um, as he looks back over the state of the market. Um, uh, But it it looks like they're really going to dig deep into the the issues around retailing. Um, And Uh there's two big panels on – is it two or one – they're two, two well, big they panels. have one that's the history of the direct market. It's going to yeah. have Paul Levitz and yeah. Jim Shooter. So yeah. yeah. And then they have a uh, state of the industry that's going to have a bunch of luminaries on it. Yeah. So the future of the direct market. Yeah. Where do we go from yes. here? So, yeah. So uh, uh, we will doubtless be reporting on that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Totally be reporting on that. So, so look for our, us yeah. tweeting. Yes. We'll be to live tweeting. We'll be, we'll be, uh, so I, I'm with Kate. I, I intend to be there. And then uh, other than that, I'm just be I'm roaming the floor. All right. Yeah. So excellent. I have two panels. My I have my World Comics panel, which is on uh, Thursday. Everything's on Thursday. So I have a whole day starting with the breakfast from 9 a.m. Oh. on to the ICV2, which ends at 530. And then I have to race across the hall to go to the panel room to do my world comics panel. So I have Allison Sampson on there and I have, um, Butch Mappa. And then I also have, uh, I believe Torin Gronbeck is going to be on it. Although she has to double check and Eric, uh, I forget his last name cause it's hard to pronounce. Anyway, it's a bunch of Eric Van Elslan. So it's a lot. Eric, so it's a bunch of uh, uh, cartoonists from around the world. They're just going to talk about their work, about different countries, traditions, and fun cool. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm no, also I, on yes. 
Go on, Calvin. No, I think Meg is doing a panel too, but if uh, um, and I'm just looking frantically to find it. I believe so it's. So I, I well, my I have another panel that is at yeah. 10:45 on oh, okay. Friday, which is going to be the Comics Press panel. Meet the Comics Press, which you know I do the panel at San Diego, uh, and then Chris. Uh, Chris Arendt does it at New York Comic Con. So that's awesome. I don't have to arrange it. And so it's going to be me and Chris. I know David Harper, uh, sometime PW oh, contributor, yes. is going to be on it. But I'm not sure who else is going to be on it. So it's, uh, but I, whoever they are, are going to have a lot to say. Yeah. Well, Meg is moderating a panel uh, on Saturday, uh, and it's Joining Forces Comics Publishers, Librarians, and Retailers Unite. With fans against book bans. So obviously this is an important topic. And uh, Jeff Trexler is going to be on the panel. Jen Haynes, the retailer. Uh, Little Brown editor Andrea Colvin. And a librarian, Stephanie Anderson. So Sounds like a great panel. Sounds an excellent panel on a on a, an imposing topic. So uh, check it out. I think I'll try to be at that. And I'll see if I can catch some of yours, your panels too, Heidi. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just glad everything is front loaded for me on Thursday and then yeah. after the end of that Friday morning. So yeah. I like so because there's a lot of events on Thursday night. I'm not going to lie. And then I have to get up at the crack of dawn to go to this panel. So it's awesome. Really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> everything is awesome. All right. So, well, uh, guess where I was this past weekend? <laughs> Tell us, Calvin. Tell I was us. in Columbus, Ohio, um, <clears throat> uh, at the Cartoon Crossroads Columbus uh, Comics Festival. It's an absolutely fabulous festival. Um, I was there for a particular reason. I have been there once before. But if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably know uh, they awarded the Tom Spurgeon Award uh, named after, um, you know, a terrific guy and a co-founder of this of CXC. Uh, sexy, he used to call it. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it was awarded to me. Uh, so yes. I was there. Uh, <laughs> uh, though, indeed, no I, was not the, the I was not the main draw, but I was there and it was terrific. But uh, a lot of people were there, uh, even though I got a lot of love. A lot of people were there also because there were uh, two really important keynote speakers who also received awards. Uh, Raina Telgemeier, of course, uh, the, you know, celebrated uh, middle grade graphic novelist, uh, um, gave a talk, uh, uh, an onstage interview with the curator of a, an amazing exhibition, uh, Anne Droids. I hope I said her name right. Please forgive me, Anne, if I did, if I mis mispronounce it. Um, uh, I, I'm going to have to look up the title of the exhibition, but it takes over the Billy Ireland uh, Cartoon Library and Museum. It's a fantastic exhibition of Raina's work, uh, original art, uh, artists that influenced her. It's just, uh, um, it's just fabulous. Uh, the, the, the CXC has amazing resources. And also the other artists, uh, the great Daniel Klaus there to uh, really essentially to launch his new novel, Monica. And he also, uh, received the Master Cartoonist Award, uh, uh, for this year. Uh, and he also gave an, uh, a talk. Uh, and I'm, um, unfortunately, I do not remember the uh, professor, the name of the professor, 
um, who interviewed him. But if you go to uh, our Facebook page, I have a great photograph of them up there talking. Uh, uh, Raina was great. Uh, the, trans- the Transformative uh, Work Award is basically uh, an artist whose who's very work uh has made you know has has had an incredible impact on this medium and and certainly that's uh the first thing you can think about uh with Raina besides just how delightful her work is the impact that she's had on the comics market and of course Dan Daniel Close is just one of our great uh cartoonists and you, you know they also presented the newly emerging talent award to Evan oh, Salazar yes, yes. yes. uh who and, did a book called Rodeo and uh, I'm not sure who published it, but uh, uh, it's, it's you know, self-published. But it's yes. uh, they're really published in. Uh, he's got three copies out, three issues out now. It's a mini series, mm. uh, excuse me, a mini comic series. The guy is delightful. Uh, th- that award comes with $7,500 cash money, uh, and yep. I think his cash first money. His first exclamation was, "I don't think I've ever had $7,500 in my bank account at one time." So um, this is a great award. He's an amazing guy. I have an interview with him. Hopefully, hopefully at some point we'll get to put these up on online. Uh, he's a great interview, and his um, his series is really delightful. Once you start reading it, you're hooked. So, Calvin, are you trying to tell me that not only did you get a Lifetime Achievement Award, but you also got it with Raina Telgemeier and Dan Klaus? Hey, no one's more surprised than me. Oh my and, God. And look, we got, they, you know, they issue the awards, uh, they present them in a wonderful ceremony in the, the atrium of the Billy Ireland, uh, museum. And it's, it's, they, they do it on this landing, but what it is is you're in this really soaring hall packed with people and they just, you know, you know, they just go nuts and well, yeah, it's the best yeah, feeling in the world. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny you say that because and this is not really I, I just have to note this because the photos like that. We didn't run the story up on the beat and they sent these photos. And in the photos, everybody is standing in front of this, you know, standee that looks really awful. It's just covered with type. I mean, I'm sure it's fine if, if you're looking for where to go, but it, it just it looks it, like I, I know that. It wasn't in this awesome room. I, I wish the yeah. photos had captured a bit more of the See, atmosphere. And you know what? And I should have, and I had thought about doing it and I didn't because when I mm-hmm. got up on, cause it's really on the first landing of there's this, mm-hmm. there's this stairway up to the second floor because at the same time you're in this soaring hall, there is a balcony that's swooping around you. So there's people lined across like three stories up above you also. And they're screaming and clapping and applauding. So the view from the audience to the people on on the platform there doesn't look very interesting. But mm. for those of us that were up there, I'm looking out on a sea of people, and Nate Powell is down there, and Raina is over here, and Durf is, you know, back Durf is sitting out, and they're looking up to you, and you know. They're just screaming their heads off and, and applauding, and it's just the best feeling in the world. And, uh, and I, you you're know, one of the few to get to have it. I, you know what? I got up there, too. Uh, like I said, uh, I was happy to be there. Um, uh, I, I, I tried to also make uh, let, the, let the people know that there's a few people that were really instrumental to me being up there, and among them includes both of you. 
Uh, and uh, so I said that. And uh, but, man, yes, it's really a pretty great feeling uh, to see that kind of the comics industry, uh, you know, uh, of a sort, uh, you know, cheering you on with a rousing, uh, you know, roar of approval. Um, nice. Um, but really also, I mean, it's interesting Columbus, Ohio, because there's not that many people on the streets of Columbus, Ohio. So when you go to this, we, uh, to the, to the larger auditoriums, now their talks, dance talks and Raina's talk were held separately in uh, a really, uh, you know, a giant auditorium. And in, for both of them, it was packed and it was startling because there's nobody on the streets of Columbus. But I tell you, uh, when they turn out for comics, they turn out. Yeah. So, Calvin, is it is it like because uh, I've never been? It's you know sometimes they hold it the week before, the week after New yeah. York Comic Con, and that's just a no go for me, non starter. But um, uh, and you know this, I mean, just various reasons it just couldn't go. But um, uh, is it like TCAF where there's like a whole bunch of venues and it yes. sounds like it? Yeah, so yes. it's really there's, spread there are multiple out around venues. town. Uh, it's not quite. I mean, it doesn't draw quite the the size of audience, but I think they have. Well, no, there's there's more. There's way more exhibitors there, but there's somewhere between I think about 150 exhibitors. Uh, they've just got a great. It, it, it's a good turnout for the size of the show that it is. It's held also in a library, much like TCAF, a wonderful facility, a Carnegie Library in Columbus that has also been updated. And modernized the the Carnegie front uh, facade remains, but it's a super modernistic library that's like forms the back end of it. Uh, so they have an exhibition floor on the second level that's that's incredibly sun drenched. It's spread out. There's plenty of room, and you know, obviously on it's particularly on Saturday, it's just jammed with people. Um, nice. Uh, I did interviews with, uh, with Reagan Buchanan, who has the secret history of, of black punk. Wonderful book out from um, Silver Sprocket. Uh, ben Passmore was there. Uh, Bill Campbell from Rosarium Publishers. Uh, talked with Matt Bors. Uh, and I should also point out Jay Kalagayan, the new executive director. Uh, warm, terrific guy. Um, uh, and he's already getting prepared for next year, which is the 10th anniversary of CXC. Mm. All right. So well, I got to get blow out. it out. You got to I mean, go. I, I, I don't get to see Calvin get an award though. So that kind of sucks. But anyway, well, just that they actually is video. So a, they All are. All right. Yay. <laughs> so you, you actually, you might even get a sense of the crowd there because there, it, they, there's video of that and uh, most of the panels, I was also in a, in a comics industry uh, with the Culture of Modern Comics Publishing panel with uh, Avi Ehrlich of Silver Sprocket uh, and John Jennings uh, of Megascope. Uh, and we had a very lively panel about the nature of I'll bet of you did. Today. Avi is kicking it, man. He did yeah. he's, he's, he's got a great bunch of, of artists that he's publishing. He's got a store. He's talking distribution. He's ta- it, hopefully the, it'll be online and we can, you know, I can put up some links to it. So I, you know, I don't want to go on and on because I could, but uh, CXC is really uh, r- turning out to be really, really one of the best comics arts festivals on the circuit. Really glad to hear that. 
Really glad to hear it. Thanks to them again. Well, well uh, back here in New York, uh, you know, one of the reasons I couldn't go was just I'm cutting down on my travel. But uh, also Toy Fair was being held here in New York. And uh, I've been going to Toy Fair since a long time, since the 90s. And um, it's been missing. I mean, it was February 2020 where I went to Toy Fair and didn't feel well. <laughs> And, uh, you know, immediately, you know, th- things were booming. And then immediately after that, things changed. But uh, so they haven't held Toy Fair since then. And normally it is held in February. And so at, I think this is kind of amusing that at the show, they announced they were holding it here in New York in September, two weeks before New York Comic Con. And everyone I talked to was complaining about it. It's like, why is it supposed to Comic Con? You know, nobody's going to come back out. You know, so uh, and it was definitely a lot quieter than the previous toy fairs. And the, so then the Toy Association put out uh, this very passive aggressive press release, <laughs> uh, which I love. Uh, so they announced that they're moving it back to quarter one in in 2025. So there won't be a toy fair in 2024. It's going to be in 25 and it's going to be back in January. And then in 26, they're moving it to New Orleans. So that's it. You know, one more. But I love this press release because it says, you know, Question, FAQ, why is Toy Fair moving back to quarter one when it was just moved to fall? Before the pandemic, we heard repeatedly that changing manufacturing lead times and retailer buying patterns demanded a shift of the show's timing from February to an earlier fall timeline. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Uh, The the, the Rory directors were responsive and moved the show to fall for 23. Our board, which is made up of representatives of toy companies and retailers, continues to listen to all stakeholders making decisions. The show's key audiences have returned to traditional views that Toy Fair is most valuable as North American trade event when it takes place in the first quarter of the year. In fact, we had heard that an earlier time frame than in the past is most ideal. I, so, I, I mean, I, you got to love it. You got to okay. love it. It's like, oh, you told us. You told us. You ordered it in the fall, did you? Well, guess what? It sucks. And we're moving it back <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they, so, well, there you go. Yeah. So, so, so I love that. But, uh, you know, just a couple of <laughs> observations about it. And, um, you know, I did not realize that Squishmallows are the hard, hottest toy. Uh, yes, with yes they're very big pillow. right now. Yes, they are, which I, I did not know. So that just shows you I'm living in a bubble. Uh, I had no idea how hot they were, but the, you know, this is the hottest toy. And just in case anyone else is ignorant like I am, uh, it's a huggle, it's a, like a little pillow. And now they do licensed pillows. So it, to me, this, if I learned nothing else at Toy Fair, it was that, uh, you know, fungal pops are definitely on the, uh, on the decline. Cause who wants a little hard toy to sit on a shelf when you could have a cute huggable pillow to, uh, you know, squish of Captain America or, you know, Aquaman or whoever. So uh, to me, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and actually, uh, I had something else that also spoke to this this need for comfort and joy. Um, you know, the other thing at Toy Fair was very, very few superhero related things. Mm-hmm. And I talked to a lot of people who were like, yeah, we have superheroes. We just didn't bring them. But anime and manga were everywhere. I mean, surprise. Yeah. What's surprising about that? They're the hottest properties. Bandai had this gigantic booth. Gigantic One Piece set up. Gigantic, you know, Spy by Family. Um, Godzilla. Naruto. Dragon Ball. You name it. I mean, it was huge. It was overwhelming. And, and just looking at all the really great 
toys and figures and um, licensed goods that they had with these characters on them. I mean, it's no surprise why they 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 make for really great merchandise and um, a lot of really really cool stuff there. So um, yeah, Toy Fair one more time in New York and then hello New Orleans. So no, really. Anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sad. I I love yeah. Toy Fair and I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna go to New Orleans every January. Are you joking? Well, I guess. who knows how long it'll be in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Although New Orleans is not yeah. a bad place to visit. <laughs> no, it's it's true, and it's probably yeah. cheaper as well. And um, and you know, and the maybe, weather's probably better in January. Correct, and maybe mm-hmm. toy the toy associations valued partners and stakeholders will suddenly realize that they wanted it back in New York. So, <laughs> Sounds um, like that could happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so one other thing, just to, today as we're recording this, uh, Comics Pro, the Association for Comics Retailers, had an open house that was open to the press, all professionals. Um, and so I, of course, listened in. And a couple of notes. They did give out some awards, uh, just to quickly note. They presented uh, Unsung Hero Award to uh, the late Miriam Ramos. Uh, she was the owner of uh, the the uh, comic shop, and uh, who, its name I am now not able to find. And but she was very much loved. Uh, the comic shop was located in California. She was very much loved, and uh, very sad that she passed away. And uh, then the Comic Pro Memorial Award is also from. Uh, given to someone who is uh, deceased. The nominees were John Romita Sr., uh, Alan Spiegel. We didn't talk about his passing, but Alan Spiegel was an artist agent who was really, really, really instrumental in a lot of stuff. He really was, a, you know, worked with John J. Muth, Ken Williams, Dave McKean, just that whole kind of dark vertigo-y art. He was the guy behind it. So, uh, you know, his passing was noted. Uh, other nominees, Don Thompson, Mel Thompson, and Major Malcolm Nick- Wheeler-Nicholson. Uh, the winner was John Romita Jr. or John Romita Sr. Pardon me, who passed away earlier this year. And then the Comics Pro Industry Award. The nominees were Jackie Estrada, uh, Matthew Rosenberg, the creator for his efforts to sell more books, uh, Skybound Entertainment Team, hmm. uh, Adrian and Damian Wassel, the guys behind Vault Comics, and then Jessica Wells. So this is interesting. She's the senior director of customer operations at Penguin Random House. So, oh, interesting. But Interesting, interesting. Uh, not a name I'd heard bandied about too much. Uh, and the winner was the Skybound Entertainment Team, uh, which is really led by uh, Morgan Perry and Arun Singh. But, you know, they pulled off keeping that uh, switch of the uh, Hasbro licenses to Skybound under wraps, but still letting retailers know, asking retailers to keep it secret. And the retailers did. So that was quite a, a feat. And uh, they won an award for it. So uh, very good. I'm just, I'm, you know, Comics Pro is also doing a presentation at New York Comic Con. I'm sure we'll have more to say about it there. I'm sure this was also pretty much a lot of what they were going to say, but uh, just things that we've talked about here is that the metadata project is chugging mm-hmm. along, and they are looking to present their preliminary report at their February show, but they will also be talking about it somewhat at New York Comic Con. And um, so that's incredible, uh, very exciting news to us as data wonks. But um, they did a survey of retailers asking what they thought of the three different uh, distributors, Penguin Random House, Lunar and Diamond. Uh, Diamond's shipping costs were the biggest. We hate this. 
And Lunar's <laughs> packaging was once again the most popular. Um, mm. And then very um, exciting again for us. They also asked retailers if they would be interested in use, giving their POS system uh. data to an aggregator if it could be done um, anonymously and securely. And, you know, this is so we can have a sell-through chart, which... Interesting. Uh, yes, and said 50% of retailers said yes. 42% said yes, depending on how secure it is. Mm-hmm. And only 8% said no. So, again, the great... I know I'm a broken record, but when we get sell-through numbers on comic books in comic shops, this is going to be the next game changer. And uh, it's going to be huge. So they are also doing um, a big a survey next year among publishers and everybody that they want uh, people to participate in. And just um, things are developing faster than they ever have. Uh, said the entire industry is in a massive state of flux and change, which is likely to continue for a few more years. Uh, but this allows us to reinvent the wheel and changes might seem brutal, but we're responding to it. So, um there was also a presentation by Kristen McLean of Circana, huh? uh, BookScan, our good friend. And mm-hmm. she talked a lot about what I was saying before, like, um, you know, wages have not increased, but prices have. So everybody's looking to cut back. Everybody's looking. She says a lot of consumer reports say that consumers are looking to purchase things that make them joyful. They want to purchase joy. They want to get things <coughs> that make them happy. That would include the squishable toys. So I was right about that. <laughs> That was not a, you know, rocket mm-hmm. science that I needed to figure that one out. Um, and uh, she did also show this slide that showed different retail categories and how much consumers said they were going to cut back on them. And books were fourth from the bottom and a list of about 20 different things. Mm. Only about seven. I, I, you know, I don't have the slide in front of me. But it was very few. I believe it was like maybe 7%, 8%, something like that. Single digit percent said they were going to cut back on books. Whereas, you know, 48% said they were going to cut back on eating out, including Heidi McDonald. So, um, <laughs> and, you know, doubtless, probably you too as well, because I know everybody's uh, cutting back on expensive New York meals. But anyway, and so, see, so, you know, there was a lot of um, challenging times talk at this presentation, but also kind of, here's how we're dealing with it. So, you know, as I've often noted, as opposed to the, oh, my God, we're doomed, this is terrible, comics are dying yes. um, uh, attitude that Which we saw. Which we past. hear all the time. Yeah. Well, we still hear all the time, but from uh, from um, people on the periphery of the comics industry, okay? People who are not central to exactly. making and, it. And that's true, yeah. because when you actually sort of challenge those opinions, they're a little shocked mm-hmm. when you tell them things are on, you know, this is, this is a new world. And and mm-hmm. the panel I was on, almost all of the things you're talking about really came up a bit, and particularly the manga and other aspects of how retailers think about their business. So just I'm just throwing that in. Um, well, I think that's I mean, I think it pre- presents a very fascinating picture when yes. you take all these things together. Absolutely. Because uh, the theme of our panel really was. Change is coming to comics retailing across the board and certainly to the direct market. Yeah. And listen, uh, I couldn't the whole presentation today was like 
about four hours long, so I couldn't listen to the whole thing. And they had a whole bunch of publishers do very brief, like seven to eight minute presentations. I did listen to a few and there was a discussion. And so mark my words about this. Uh, Alien Books, which is bringing Valiant back, did notice that they're bringing back, you know, some Valiant titles, but they're bringing them back in prestige format. Ah. 48 page, 9.99, mm. sort of little mini paperbacks. And, you know, there's a lot of books that are coming out in this format now. So the periodical itself is not going to be too floppy anymore. It is going to be uh, sturdy. We'll call mm. them a sturdy. <laughs> uh, and and so, acquirable uh, across a variety of channels. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Makes sense to me. Makes so sense yeah, to me. that's that's what I was doing All right. the last few days. All so. right, that sounds. Um. So well, uh, should we take a quick look at the National Book Award shortlist for well, young well, people's literature? I, sure. Uh, just very quickly, uh, we talked a little bit about the long list uh, a podcast or two ago. Uh, but they have come in with the five finalists, and what three of them are visual books? That's uh, right. Among them, um, uh, would, uh, uh, Huda F. Cares uh, by Huda Farmi. Um, what Big uh, by Vashti Harrison. Uh, I think you said that's a picture book. And mm-hmm. A First Time for Everything by Dan Santant, uh, which I have read and which is a really uh, – is deserving of its nomination, a really uh, delightful graphic novel. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Big is not really a comic. It's a picture book, mm-hmm. but it certainly shares many, um, you know, qualities with graphic novels. But, uh, you know, to have three out of the five nominees um, be visual books is pretty, or, you know, the, the finalists is pretty astonishing. And, and uh, you know, Kristen McLean did talk about middle grade readers. You know, the book industry is in decline a bit, but but still above 2019 and declining mm-hmm. slowly. It's not like, you know, huge, huge, huge. And, and manga has taken a huge hit, but it's still more than 300 percent above where it was in 2019. But also middle uh, grade graph novels are still I know we've talked about there being some softness in there, but they're still trending above. Uh, the rest of the book industry, according to Kristen McLean, they are uh, mm-hmm. very declining, but slower than other segments. So um, not a surprise, really, that there's all these graphic novels in the young readers category. There you go. So speaking of uh, New York Comic Con, a first time mm-hmm. exhibitor there will be Manga Plus. Now, what is that, Kate? You've been following this story. So yes. Yeah, so Manga it. Plus it's, it's, is sort of a branch off of Shueisha, one of the Japanese publishing giants. And Shueisha in its various different forms is not new to New York Comic Con at all. But Manga Plus is their attempt to break into the U.S. digital comics marketplace with their very own app. And it's been a little controversial. Um, so they have, they're going to be carrying, um, My Hero Academia, One Piece, Jujutsu Kaisen, Spy X Family, Chainsaw Man, Kaiju Number Eight, Oshinoko, and others. They are going to be handing out free pins and all kinds of stuff. 
at the con in order to try to get people hyped up about their brand new app. Um, some of which are coming out from Viz, uh, but they will also be on the Manga Plus app in Simulpub. Um, so Shueisha, uh, carries, Shueisha is the home of some of the series that get, uh, localized by Viz in the United States. But Manga Plus is sort of direct from publisher Simulpub. And some of the things they're planning to do in order to keep up with that schedule, well, they're a little controversial. Namely, they're, uh, new to translation comic, Rugby Rumble. <laughs> yes, uh, lesser known, lesser known. Um, they decided that they were going to use um, AI to do the lettering on this English Uh-oh. translation of Rugby Rumble. Now, it, it's not the prettiest. The bubbles seem to cover more than one would like. But I suppose it's it's efficient. But at the same time, lettering in both English and Japanese, in both original and in translation, is a real skill. And there are a lot of people who make their careers at doing it. And while I'm no one to back the uh, proverbial buggy whip manufacturer, just looking mm-hmm. at these samples make it clear that... Uh, Humans are not going to be replaced by AI for quality when it comes to lettering in comics anytime soon. Um, so there have been some very, very, very negative feelings from the manga sphere and the comic sphere, uh, upon seeing the AI lettering in Rugby Rumble because, of course, you know, where Rugby where rugby rumble goes, so goes comics, possibly. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> um, so after the complaints, they have redone the AI lettering to be slightly less ugly, but they have, and they have, they have said, oh, well, we, we now have some touch ups from actual humans, which I mean, great. But they're still, they still take up an awful lot of the page. Um, so more to come on that, I suppose. Um, Shueisha's Manga Plus is, is following kind of a Netflix-like pattern and is using much the language of an American streaming service because you see they have Manga Plus, and then they have Manga Plus Max. Ah. <laughs> okay. All right. Different tiers. Yes, yes, yes. So standard means that you can see over 6,000 chapters of 80 titles for $1.99 a month, whereas Deluxe allows you to see 15,000 chapters of 110 titles for 4.99. Uh 
Um, so, great. Um, so when did Kate? When did Manga Plus launch? So Manga Plus, as such, is is new. Um, was it? I don't earlier know. This year, it, it it was earlier this year, but they've sort of done a soft relaunch hmm. um, with these new tiers, with this new system. Now calling themselves Manga Plus Max. Everything needs to be max these days. I I don't know why. Um, so I suppose one might say they're new-ish. They're making their New York Comic Con premiere. They're but less the, than. But oh, go on. Sorry. As these apps go, they're relatively new. Um, I get the distinct impression that the original launch of Manga Plus was a little rushed, and this is what they wanted to do all along because they did come out hot on the heels of some other similar apps. Um, but yeah, now they're, they're pushing their big push with, okay, so we're going to have manga plus max. You can subscribe it and all you can eat kind of fashion, but not quite all you can eat. If you want all the stuff, then you've got to pay an extra three bucks a month. Plus, you know, the headlines surrounding their AI lettering um, is, is uh, you know, working together to give them a whole big boost of publicity right before they have their big booth at New York Comic Con. So uh, go out there and tell them that you don't like bad lettering on rugby comics, I guess. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> you know, um, sorry. You know, I wanted to just very quickly, while we're talking about manga, there was kind of an interesting story that just came out yesterday on the beat. Um, and, you know, De- I think I mentioned Debbie Oki is now really overseeing our ma- manga coverage, or rather setting it up. She's just the acting manga editor. Uh, but we had a story written by Matthias de la Piedra, um, where he went through uh, Weekly Shonen Jump and kind of analyzed using the table of contents, which were the best launches that they'd had. So... Uh, he had the top 10 best launches. It was kind of interesting because uh, the ones that there's some that you would know would be on there, like uh, My Hero Academia, Black Clover, um, so on and so forth. But there's a few on there that you might surprise you. So uh, I'm not enough of a manga expert to really discuss this, but I know there were some surprises on there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, you might check that out also on uh, on the beat. Just a little plug for all this great coverage that I have nothing to do with. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and uh, do we want to mention also? Uh, it says Deb wrote this for PW about the launch oh, of, yes. uh, of of I Prize Press's uh, K Pop Comics line. Y- yes, indeed. So yeah, uh, if you like BTS, well, you'll love the. If you like the CD, you'll love the comics. Although unlike other uh you, you know not, unlike as deb points out uh, unlike the kiss comic of the the notorious kiss comic of the past it isn't a comic book about bts it's like one of the members of bts's alter ego character yes. stars in it so it's it's like okay i'm not going to call it real person fan fiction because it's authorized <laughs> 
But right. if you wanted an alternate universe comic book starring someone who looked a lot like and sounded a lot like a specific BTS actor of your choice, this is now your comic. Well, to be fair, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, a lot of American, you know, as I call them, nerd liberty comics are the same thing. You know, oh, it just happens to star a character that looks just like Keanu Reeves. Oh, and he he helped write the story. I see. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Well, but this is not quite that because in these they they are they have the same name. Okay, so okay, so 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 the the bands that are involved in this are um, BTS and hyphen and Tomorrow X together, and which if you're not following K-pop and you're not a, a teenager, uh, you, the only one you'll have heard of is BTS. So Kate, can you explain a little bit about how these work using BTS because that's the only one we've heard of, us olds have heard of. Okay, so imagine. You like a boy band, but you already know what it's like to see them on stage. Would you like to read a comic about them in an action fantasy series in a world where tiger people from another dimension want to destroy the earth? <laughs> well, now you can. Heck no. <laughs> Sounds like a page turn. Well, I mean, if you're a 13 year old who's very into to BTS, I, I, I think it would be a hit. I think you're right. And to yes, be I fair, the creators of this series have created a very popular webtoon called Solo Leveling. Um, <laughs> so right. they're very capable and mm-hmm. they probably have created the best possible BTS tie-in alternate universe evil tiger people comic you could possibly imagine <laughs> yes it's, uh, that's red red eye studio which uh yes created they did recreate solo loving they're huge even i've heard of them um i will read this quote which is kind of interesting uh this is from hybe so this is a this much i do know uh that this uh, eyes press is is teaming up with hybe which is like the biggest uh agency that creates uh, bands, boy bands and girl bands in, uh, in Korea. So they're just a huge, huge, huge multimedia company. I mean, like, you know, sort of like Endeavor here, uh, controls a lot of, um, you know, sports and entertainment figures. But, mm-hmm. um, here, here's a quote from, uh, the, the VP of Canada and Webtoon, which published these originally. Let's bring that, make that clear. And then they're coming to print from ISP. Press. Uh, anyway, he says, K-pop fans love to know everything about a band, its history, and the stories behind the stories for songs and albums. The process of mythology, the, the process of mythologizing and building stories around artists is part of what fans want. Many comics are the same thing, building universes with arcs and cast of characters who have adventures and perhaps develop over time. So, uh, you know, that, that's true. The, the fans are super duper duper fans mm-hmm. who are immersed in these characters. So it makes sense. And, and 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 also, the, I mean, this represents the the digital to print world of webtoons that I think we're, the, the world yes. that we're heading into now. Yes. Well, we we didn't. There's really not much more to go into than just the announcement of it. Mm-hmm. But another story we had here is uh, you know Tappy Tune, their um, parent company, oh, yeah. Contents mm-hmm. First, which is another Korean content company, 
has teamed up with Inclor. And so Inc and which was mentioned in the original Inclor press release. Mm -hmm. you know, Inclor is this PRH uh, imprint given over to, as I call them, light comics. I'm the only person who calls them that, but uh, it's manga, manhwa, and webtoons. Um, They're not yes, light comics. Yeah. <laughs> Heidi, stop trying to make fetch yes. happen. It's not going to happen. All right. Well, I then what do we say instead of manga, manhwa, and webtoons? Yeah. Yes. Kate. Asian well, comics. I thank you. I think I think Kate's got it on this one. Webtoons yeah. aren't Asian. A lot of them are created here. Well, a lot of them are, but we're not specifically talking about yeah. those. We're talking about specifically Asian webtoons as opposed to American webtoons. No, we're webtoons. not. Well, not in the not for ink and uh, not for inkor. Anyway, we'll leave we're it. We're talking generically. We anyway, can fight we'll, about we'll this get... on a future podcast too. Yes. As well. Yeah, we uh, don't need to tire our listeners out by making them listen to us. Well, you know, I, reinvent I, I, the I comic think... wheel. It is true, but I just I will point out, as we mentioned in our last uh, podcast, Ink Lore is named after Lore Olympus. Yes. Which is definitely yeah. not an Asian mm -hmm. comic. Yeah. No, it is not. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean that Ink Lore was specifically focusing on Asian comics, but when you were specific, never mind, never yeah. mind. We won't get I, I've called it. them manga adjacent. I don't know whether that works. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we can just call them webtoons. We know I think, who they yes, are. I, I mean, and 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 very often you do have to separate uh, the uh, the platform from you know the uh, the cat. You know the, uh, the excuse me, I'm losing my verbal ability here, but you know what I mean. Uh, yes. Because there's a company called Webtoon, but well, yeah. yes, but it's much like Kleenex or Xerox. Mm, yeah. It, yeah but. Well, webtoon well, predates just, the webtoon comp company. Yeah, yeah except I, I mentioned this before on the podcast, but when I put that in my headline about the launch of Inclor, I got a, immediately got a panicky email from a publicist at Pregnorenha saying, please don't use the term webtoon because, you know, we are not just partnering with webtoon. Yeah. So I, anyway. I, I understand. We're in I a understand. tricky period. We're in a but, tricky period. Yeah, light comics is not. No, it's not a thing. I know. I'm sorry. I know. Kate is, it's Kate not. is unconvinced. Or she's unpersuaded. It's one I of those we'll things that you can say and no one will know what you're talking about, you know? <laughs> yes. Well, then I guess uh, we'll call them Ink Lore Comics. Yeah, why not? Mm, okay. Yeah, um, right. We'll right. see. We'll see. Right. More to come on that one. All right. Okay. Uh, where are we at? Um, okay. Well, uh, another PW uh, is their um, yearly Star Watch. Oh, yes. Um, a program. Kelvin. Yeah. Well, uh, PW's annual uh, PW Star Watch, which is just a program to just sort of identify, uh, you know, just publishing pro professionals, um, certainly young ones, but across the range of publishing professionals that are doing something interesting, doing something youthful, you know, bringing new life to the business. Uh, and uh, PW has been naming the finalists. All week, and I think next week they will name the full uh, number of, of Star Watch honorees, which are usually like 30 or 40. Uh, but the, the name today, Kiara Valdez, editor at first, second. Um, she's uh, she's one of the finalists for the big prize, which I don't know what it is. It used to be a trip to Frankfurt, but I, I think they've changed it now. They uh, you, But you get something valuable as uh, well as probably the, a shiny plaque. 
I think there's something, yeah, there's something along the lines, uh, the line of, of steak knives or, or things, but actually useful. Um, uh, but also the great admiration, uh, of your colleagues and everyone in the industry. But Kiara Valdez is really, um, she is a comet across the sky. She, uh, I think she started working in 2016 as a, um, editorial assistant. And she has just worked on one extraordinary book after another. Uh, among them, Harmony Becker's uh, Himawari House, which is a great book. Uh, Ngozi Kazu's Check, Please, when, she, when it was turned into a print series. Uh, Mariko uh, Tamaki and Rosemary Val- Valero O'Connell's Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. Uh, Kate Lane's Snapdragon, great, great graphic novels uh, for young adults. So, and that's just a few of the things she's worked on. So congratulations uh, to Kiara, and we'll see if she uh, wins the big prize. I know. Well, Kiara is definitely a, a uh, you know shooting star, absolutely. Uh, she, you know, she was all over the podium at the Eisner Awards in San Diego this year. So many yeah. uh, books that she was associated with were winning. And, yeah, she's great. Uh, good call. Good call, PW. Good, yeah, nice, nice pick. Absolutely. Yeah, very good Absolutely. Uh, okay. And, uh, yeah. So one more sad note. A sad yet joyous. It's, you know, uh, it's, it, it, it was, uh, it was sad, but I will tell you, this was an absolutely joyous occasion. What else could an occasion put together by, uh, the usual gang of idiots at Mad Magazine be? <laughs> um, uh, it, this was a memorial service for the great Al Jaffe. And for those of you out here who don't know what Al Jaffe, and I've tested this, ask someone who Al Jaffe is, they may not know. But then when you say, hey, have you ever read the Mad Fold-In? Then they say, oh, of course. Or mention snappy comebacks to stupid questions. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, a two of, Two of the very famous, but really small thing, a small number of things this man has accomplished. So this was one of the most heartwarming, uh, mournful and ridiculously goofy and funny, uh, memorial services you'll ever want to see. Oh, Beth. Charlie Koshman yeah. was uh, kind of the M- MC. Uh, and he, he, he actually worked with, uh, Al Jaffe, I think beginning in the early nineties when he was at DC as an editor. To put together uh, a lot of book collections of Jaffe's work, uh, Jaffe himself, you know, born in 1921, went to high school with Will Elder and Harvey Kurtzman at uh, what New York's uh, High School of Art and Music and Art. Um, uh, it, 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 uh, Arnold, it, there was a, a, a an incredible turnout of New York cartooning royalty of a certain generation. Arnold Roth was there. Uh, the, you know, so many of the former of, of the uh, uh, Mad Age uh, editors, excuse me, was there. Um, uh, Karen Green uh, submitted a video talking about getting uh, Al Jaffe's papers. Uh, Al Jaffe's um, daughter, granddaughter, uh, stepdaughters were there talking. His biographer was there. Uh, there were video tributes from. Stephen Colbert, who uh, some of these were delivered at his 95th and his 100th birthday because he passed away from us at 102 years old. Uh, <laughs> so he left behind a lot of snappy answers to stupid questions, a lot of jokes 
an enormous amount of goodwill uh, and good humor. He was beloved uh, by this industry. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it was just a great a great night uh, to uh, the, the comics industry, the cartooning industry, paying tribute to one of their own. So well, uh, I wish I could yeah. have been there, but I am out of town from my undisclosed bunker location. So I missed out. But well, so I'm glad you were able to go and represent Kelvin because Al Jaffe, I just said I would listen to that guy read the phone book because he had the best voice. He it had was super deep. Voice. I'm not even going to try to do it. But just listening to him say anything was such a delight. What a wonderful human Absolutely. being he was. The funniest man glad, to ever come out of Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> as, yeah, as he and, was you know, described. I'm glad he got his full 100 years. He did yes. indeed. He did indeed. It, it really was a great event. So uh, and much thanks to Charlie Kochman, uh, all of the family and members that worked to put it together. It was a great event. I'm so happy I, I got an invitation and was able to come. Uh, I grew up reading Mad. Who who didn't? Uh, and uh, snappy answers to stupid questions is a foundational text for any smart aleck teenager. And well. So, listeners, keep an eye out for us. You may see us at the con if you happen to be there. And if not, keep an eye out for our coverage, which we will be bringing you. Indeed. There's definitely, as New York Comic Con unfolds, there's definitely going to be more to come.